What's going on, everyone? Alex Chateras here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And we got to talk about the Knicks and what we saw this past week coming off of an NBA All-Star break. Weekend, day, whatever you want to call it. They just rented out a convention center, I guess, and just had whatever happened. That's what it felt like. But we had some Knicks games this week. We got a guest on, Jeremy Cohen. And now we also got to discuss what we got this for this upcoming week as well. Whether or not IQ should start. How should we weaponize the cap space? How should we maneuver the trade deadline? That's why we got him on here, John. That's why we got him on here. And what we got for Etc. Yeah. Yeah. And for Etc. today, uh, we're going to talk about, of course, the Tuesday slate, which we got Jazz at Celtics. And we got the Pelicans at the Blazers. And that's going to parlay into some more interesting talk because we're going to talk about if the Jazz are real and if the Trailblazers are going to make some moves and maybe the Celtics um, at the deadline. Hey, maybe even the Pelicans. We get, th- those four teams are actually really interesting. So we'll, we'll hit on all those. Sounds good, John. Sounds good. All right, Ricey, let's kick it. What's going on, everyone? Alex Chateras here with another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, etc. podcast. And with me, as always, my buddy, my coach, my pal, the man with the plan, the dude's about to take the Amtrak and steal Ben Simmons and bring him all the way to the New York Knicks. <laughs> John Malika, what's going on, bro? <laughs> oh, what's up, dude? I'm actually, oh, now that you mentioned it, I'm actually quite worried about Ben Simmons. I'm driving my butt all the way out to Philly on Tuesday. I'm, I'm kind of nervous about what Ben Simmons is going to do to me. <laughs> I hope he's not going to send me home upset. But I'm doing no, all right, that- man. I'm doing good. How are you? That's right. I'm good, man. I'm good. Chilling. Cold in this house. Our boiler's not working pretty well. Come back. So, uh, you know, we were in New York for a couple days. Come back. Now it's freezing. It's 57 degrees in here. You know, not not ideal. So so I'm wearing a sweatshirt, trying to stay warm. I uh, hear the wind is just rattling outside. So we got old windows, too, on the ropes. So, you know, uh, it's not like Anderson windows where nothing moves. So I feel the breeze coming in. I hear the shaking of the glass. So it's a good time. It's a, it's a very good time. But John. <laughs> you got, you, you got to taste the, you got to taste the fake NYC spring though. We had our fake NYC spring. That's true. Uh, this weekend. And now we're going to get, it's going to be cold for a little bit, but at least you got to t- a little taste of that. That's nice. That's true. That's true. But you know what? It's not all doom and gloom. We got a wonderful guest with us today. He is a contributor to Nick's Film School and the Strickland and co-host of Nick's Film School and Pod Strickland, which is part of the Strickland, Jeremy Cohen. Jeremy, how are you doing today? Doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. And wow, when you say all of that, it makes me think like, how how much am I invested in this team? Like, that's just, that feels like too much. It's just too much interaction, but it can never be enough, so... Uh, yeah. It's never enough. It's never yeah. enough, man. It's the New York Knicks. We love the New York Knicks. We're insane. We just want to make sure our team's doing right, regardless of how who the owner is, regardless of all the media slander we get from Max Kellerman trying to attack our boy CP. You know what I mean? We're, <laughs> we're going to defend this team tooth and nail, day and night. Doesn't matter. And that's why we got you on, man. You're going to be uh, you're going to lead the way for us to to help lay out what we're going to do by the trade deadline. Because for those of you who don't know, and if you're not. Uh, following uh, Nick's film school or the Strickland. Uh, Jeremy over here is uh, very well versed, I'll say, in the cap. Like every time I listen to you on the podcast, I'm just like, how the hell do you know so much about the cap? I'm just like, geez, like I, I like I joke saying that you got to teach a class about it, but it's you're very well versed and it. it's very impressive, man. So kudos for you for taking the time and understanding it. It's a lot of work, I know. But Jeremy, I know you're also a fan. You're not just a cap whiz, too. So before we start, before we even get into that segment, 
we got to talk about what we saw this past week. The Knicks played the Milwaukee Bucks, and they also played the Oklahoma City Thunder. So, guys, let's discuss what we saw this past week. Jeremy, since you are a guest, I want to start with you. What did you see from this week? What did you think about how the Knicks played overall? I mean, it came kind of as I expected, at least in terms of the outcome. Uh, in terms of the Bucks game, you know, I was hoping for Randall to look a little bit uh, fresher, given that he had essentially a week off except for not too much time playing in the All-Star game. But even he himself said, I'm usually pretty um, not great when it comes to long layoffs. So when you take that into consideration, it was somewhat expected. I guess the Thunder game, it was really nice to see after what really was five straight quarters of just miserable basketball, them rebounding to the point where the last three quarters were great. And we even got to see uh, Randall, Barrett, and IQ on the floor for a significant amount of time in the second half. So I definitely preferred the second game than I did to the first game. But uh, as a whole, I don't know how many fans wouldn't, uh, unless you love Alfred Payton. But that's a story in it, or, you know, an entire conversation don't talk, in itself. Don't, don't talk about John's boy like that. Don't talk about John's boy like that. Oh, God. I was, uh, it's so funny. Today, I was literally getting wrung out on Twitter today, and I, I literally had to just stop answering. All, all I said was, like, Alfred Payton's not that bad. He just doesn't fit on our team because we're trying to play in the transition. And, like, I got, like, a, a, so many tweets. I was like, nope, nope, I will not engage. I cannot. I cannot engage. <laughs> <laughs> but continue, Jeremy. What else did you see? What else did you see from this game? Or Yeah, I mean, just, you know, um, I I love Frank Nilakina. I think that the, just the dream of having him being a lead ball handler was kind of fizzling out to begin with. But I think it's kind of met its unfortunate end. Um, you obviously hope for a little more from Obi, but as the season goes on, you have to wonder what kind of an impact he's going to have. And were these two games kind of representation of what we might see moving forward in terms of playing time? I'm not entirely sure, but it seems kind of like that's how it may trend. As I imagine Tibbs will lean more into his veterans and especially if there are upgrades that are made at the deadline, that opportunity. So again, like there, I'd say there was, it was probably a little bit more. I can't say it was more negative than positive because we left the, the the taste in our mouth from the Thunder game is so sweet. So I'll, I'll say that, you know, it was, I'm glad that we have the Bucks out of the way and we can move on to a really rough uh, stretch of the schedule this upcoming week. But I think at least with the Thunder game, it was hard not to feel just with the fate of the franchise with RJ and Randall and IQ that there was some promise to it. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. It was really nice. You know, the fan base has been clamoring for Tibbs to play IQ, RJ, and Randall together just because, as we see with Alfred Payton in that starting lineup, um, we're relying on Reggie Bullock to be our only shooter, and that just doesn't work. And then when you see IQ, who's another shooter who you have to respect once he crosses half court, you're like, oh, wow, why don't we do this all the time? And so, no, it was just nice to see in that it was really... It was nice to see that Randall could facilitate with IQ on the court because I think the thing that everyone likes to stick towards is like what a typical point guard is. And actually, you know, we saw that in the, from the New York Post. Shout out to Mark Berman uh, on that piece where he's talking about, you know, Thibodeau's mentioning that there's so many different types of point guards in today's league. And the one that we all think of Frank, which is more of a passing point guard, you know, it's very few and far between at this point. And it's really you either have your downhill guards or you have your guards that can shoot and just create space that way. So... It was, it's really just a designation of a title at this point, not necessarily this framework of like being a facilitator. So it's nice to see that they can all coexist. Um, 
So yeah, it was definitely great seeing that and definitely like a, a, a inspiration to be like, yo, why don't you just do this, Tibbs? Just like make us happy, man. Make us happy so that Nick's Twitter can just be a peaceful place moving forward. John, what did, what did you think about the, this past week? I, I agree 100% with uh, you and Jeremy. It's like it's from, from the Bucks game to the Thunder game. I mean, Julius Randle coming out one for nine, not, not ideal. He looked exactly like he did last year. He was just spinning into the, you know, into the paint and not getting any calls. Whether he deserved them or not, questionable. Some yes, some eh. But he just wasn't getting those calls. Same thing with RJ, honestly. And, I mean, we kind of had it coming, right? Like, the Bucks had, had this game circled, especially that it was the first game after their break. Like, they've been ready for this game. Unfortunately, Mitch still isn't here. I'm still dying without a backup center. <laughs> it, 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 it's it's tough. It really it's like literally it's so tough to watch. Like even Noel is great. I love Nerlens Noel. I've always liked him, and he's fine. But he's obviously limited on the offense, and we don't have a backup to him. So it's just it, and I I know Mitch is coming back, and there's no timetable. But we know early April, and he's in good shape. It's just like that stuff is bothering me a little bit. But you know that that that's okay. And then it started off. Jeremy alluded to it. First quarter thunder. I was like, oh, no, like, it, it's all over. You know what I mean? Like, not obviously not being dramatic about it, but I was just like, oh, my goodness, like, we need to be able to turn this corner. And, you know, thank God we did. But, man, do we miss Derrick Rose? Like, you're talking about point guards and all these different types of point guards. We miss Derrick Rose. The Frank experiment. What a world. It's tough. <laughs> I know. And the Frank experiment is tough. To be able I to know. say that. 2021 that we're saying we're missing Derrick Rose um, and not in the way where he just went AWOL. It's just like we're missing Derrick Rose like we actually want him on the court. That's <laughs> it's quite the change that we're at right now. <laughs> but go and on. Not only, not, no, not, not only that in 2021, but like we have Frank coming in and starting, you know, Thunder and that was all nice and fine. The minute he gets off the court, like, we just do so much better, like, objectively speaking. Like, you know, like, even look, in the second half when IQ is on the court, if Frank were to walk, were to walk up to, like, to sub in, I would have cried. I would have literally, like, physically cried if he was going to sub in for Frank early. I mean, for IQ early. So, I, I love Frank so much. Like, I wanted him. I bet on him, when you know, to draft him. I've always wanted to give him a chance. I just feel like the experiment is over. Like, I, like it, it just feels like an end because there's no way we're re-signing him. There's just no chance. Like, it, for, in my you know humble opinion, I just I can't see it. So, um, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of ready for the trade. I'm like I'm like for the first time ever. I'm like finally okay with like all right. It's it's time to move on because it it just feels like we've finally got to the end of the road. Yeah, I hear what you're saying, especially with Frank. Um, like, I know, I think we got to the point at the beginning of the season where we're like, it's not, he's not a, a true point guard, that he has to be like an off guard, uh, you know, facilitator, three and D to put up his shots when he gets the opportunity. And I think he was just put in a situation not to succeed with this game. Like we saw it against San Antonio too. He's just, they want somebody who can attack the paint, and you're just not going to get that from Frank. Frank's not just going to drive into the paint consistently on a nightly basis. He averages like five drives like a game. That's you know that like Derrick Rose, Alfred Payton, that's eleven to twelve drives a game. That's what Tibbs wants. I think Frank could still be on this team if he just shows out he can be a three and D guy. But we still have we have to see him 
do that these past two games were just not for him. So hopefully he gets a chance still to to show that he still has some value. I think it's still like too early, you know. I mean, if we're giving Alfred Payton this much of a leash, I'd at least like to see Frank Kluger like, oh, well, you know what? We got a trade deadline coming up soon. Let's see if we can get anything out of him or just flip him at this point. So that's where I'm at with Frank. Jeremy, what about you? I would say for the Thunder game with Frank, it wasn't that he did anything really wrong. He just didn't do a whole lot right. And it didn't help that the players around him just weren't hitting shots. And if mm-hmm. Bullock's not going to be able to spot up and give you any sort of offensive prowess, then you're looking at just more negatives in terms of your spacing and what you're able to do. I could see, de- I could definitely see Frank getting moved to new regime. It's that they didn't draft him. It makes a lot of sense. He's somehow avoided being traded for the last, what, three years. So uh, <laughs> his ability to hang on is just impressive. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I personally love Frank. I would love to see him stay here. I think that he, his archetype is very valuable in that just like having a dude be, as you said, Alex, like a three and D spot up type who, you know, he's not going to be a lead ball handler, but he can facilitate enough where he's a secondary playmaker. And we've seen him do well in that role off the bench. The question is, you know, are you going to keep IQ and Rose together? Are you going to have IQ starting? Are you going to keep Rose starting? Are you going to, what's the deal with Peyton? And I think that whole conversation needs to be sorted out first because then it's like, well, Frank is the emergency backup, at least at the point guard. You can still, like, to me, Alec Burks is a great shooter, but it feels like it's very hot and cold. And a lot of times where he's hot, it's in games where it feels like the Knicks have already won. And when he's cold, it's like, well, the Knicks desperately needed to win this game, or at least they were in position to, and he just wasn't able to provide. And I think you can live without Alec Burks, but, you know, Burks is better at creation than Frank is, but I don't see why you can't have a similar role and, like, you know, use the uh, bird rights that you have and the matching rights for Frank to just keep him. Because to me, it's like, well, what team is really going to go out of their way to give Frank more than, like, you know, what Chris Dunn got, which was the room exception. It's like five mm-hmm. million bucks. I, you know, I, I know a lot of fans might think that Frank isn't going to get anything. He's subject to you know, a minimum deal or maybe like a couple million, but I think he has a chance of getting a little bit more than that. So if you can suppress his value enough to keep him, do it. But granted, if you think that getting rid of him is the right move and you don't see him being here long-term anyway, then you have to flip him. You can't keep him. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, you could always sign him to like a minimum deal, right? And then that's always good cap filler. Um, someone will take him if you put him in a deal. So don't want to get rid of him for nothing. Um, but there's so many avenues to go with him. Um, I know people who are listening to this right now who are probably just like, why are we talking about Frank? Can we just move on from this? Um, sorry, guys. Well, He's part well, of the well, team. <laughs> no, no, well, I mean, I mean, the reason is, and, and, and Jeremy kind of you know alluded to it, is because we're worried, we're we're already moved on to should IQ be starting, and if we're already moved on to should IQ be starting, then you have we have to de facto think about Frank. You know what I mean? Because if 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 those things are maneuvering and he's moving up, and someone's moving down, like <laughs> Frank's not staying normal. I feel like he's like you know about to take a step down. You know, in this you know sort of scenario. So let's move to that right now then. Let's talk about uh, if IQ should start. I know a lot of the fan base wants him to start. Um, 
Jeremy, I'm going to start with you. What do you, what are your thoughts about say say everyone everyone on the what's what's make this playing field even? Not now because we know Derek Rose and Alfred Payton are out. Everyone's fully healthy. Do you want Emmanuel quickly starting? I do, but I understand starting Derek Rose ahead of him. You know, with Payton, I think that there's this kind of consensus idea by um, some sort of faction of fans where some of us just like hate Alfred Payton for the sake of it. Uh, first of all, I don't hate <laughs> Alfred Payton. I uh, just want to make that clear. Secondly, it's like, it's just that you can, you can objectively see that Payton isn't producing with the players around him that he should be. Um, and I actually, I happen to have these stats, but I'm going to provide them here as well. So um, for the three man trio of, well, I guess first starting with Randall and RJ, when it's Randall, RJ, and Elf on the floor and quickly is off the floor, the Knicks are in the 24th percentile in points per possession. Their effective field goal percentage is in the 14th percentile at 50.8. And their defense is fine. It's like 65th percentile at 110.8. Uh, and their offense would be 107.6, which is a difference of negative 3.1, which is obviously bad. And that lineup, that three-man lineup has played among maybe the most, it's the second most minutes played in the NBA. Then if you look at quickly, obviously it's a lot fewer with quickly RJ and Randall. They've played 311 possessions. They're in the 99th percentile in points per possession on offense and the 87th percentile in points per possession on defense. And their effective field goal percentage is 93rd percentile at 58.1. And then when you just see the inability for Elf to capitalize at the rim and that he can't really space the floor and that he's not a good passing uh, point guard because his assist percentage is just downright atrocious this year, the arguments for keeping him just dwindle by the stat. And so it's not this idea where it's like, okay, he's just the scapegoat of the year because that's just not what he is. There's a clear and concise reason for why he shouldn't be playing. And it's because he doesn't make the players around him better. Um, and then the one thing for kicker, there are 78 three-man lineups this year that have played, uh, I guess, what, like 500, what I say? Over 500 minutes, right? 78. Mm-hmm. Of those 78, Alfred Payton in those three-man lineups ranks, let's see, four out of the bottom 10 all have him in I terms mean, of net I mean, this is not shocking. I mean, even like right. if you if if you just want to use like the eye test alone, I think if you watch the OKC game, you saw IQ in there. You just saw how fluid the system was, right? Those numbers just back up how just downright terrible it is. Um, and I don't help, I don't hate Alfred Payton either. I've been I've just banging the drum saying, look, it's just a square peg going into a round hole. It just doesn't work. Um, you put that man on the Clippers. He can go take a one-on-one matchup and probably have a better shot at like finishing at the rim than just like with Julius Randle, RJ, who all like to live in the paint. And it's just, it makes his life a lot easier. Um, it's just not going to work here, but I don't know how you can't watch what we saw in OKC and then say, yeah, Tibbs knows what he's doing with having paint. I'm sure he has his reasons. I get it. As you said, his defense is fine by the, the numbers you pointed out. It's fine. And maybe he wants like a lead vet out there. Because he he's trying to have quickly earn it as like old old time coaches do. All right, fine, I get that. When Derrick Rose comes back, I want Derrick Rose starting personally, just because I know Derrick Rose can't play that many minutes. I know he's going to get capped at like twenty five. 
So I don't want him ending games because God knows if he's got to go further than that, he's probably going to be tired. So at least give me Derrick Rose starting and then IQ's, IQ finishing out the games. Once Derrick Rose gets that 25, yo, give IQ the rest, let him run with it, and we saw and we can see what happens. Even with Derrick Rose, we see that the offense moves a lot smoother. So that's what I want. I hope Tibbs gives what we want. John, what, what are your feelings on this? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, we've been banging that drum for a couple of weeks now, right? Like, if D-Rose starts and IQ ends the game, like... Facts. Everyone everyone should be happy with that. I, I don't mind D-Rose and IQ on the court at the end of the game as well. Because sometimes, I mean, here's the thing, man. Teams are starting to adjust to IQ. Like, if you didn't see that with the Milwaukee Bucks, then you just didn't watch the game. Like they, they as soon as he pulled up to half court, they were on him, and they just and they didn't let him like they didn't let him, quote unquote, cook right. And so he's not Steph Curry, where he could like you know maneuver out. He's not Chris Paul. He's still like Lou Williams. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's fine. Like he, he he can't get out of it himself. And once they double him, he has to just get rid of it. And so he was a non-factor. But if you had D Rose there, you you can't really double one of them. So. Like that that dynamic intrigues me, so I'm really not like I'm really not being a stickler over it. To be honest with you, I'm more of a stickler that we need like I know we're not we don't need it, need it, but I kinda still want a starting point guard. Like I'm I'm still okay with trading for a starting point guard. Like I'm I'm not really set with D Rose hanging out there. I mean I know he, I know it's COVID right now, but I, I mean you know, if you're capping him at 25 minutes, is that really my starting point guard if we're talking playoffs? Playoffs? Like, yeah, like, playoffs. Like, you know, I, I, how, can I, how can I be confident with that? So, um, should IQ start? No. Uh, do I want D-Rose starting? Yes. But I'm still okay. I'm still, as you know, <laughs> more than anyone, Alex, I am working that trade machine, still trying to get me a point guard. <laughs> And a center. This man's also working that trade machine to some and a center. A center. I'm dying. I'm dying for a center. Jeremy, I've been just so you know, I've been our text message groups go back and forth between what do we need? And I keep asking we both agree on a point guard. Where we differ is between the wing and then a center. John's pushing for a center because Mitch is out and he doesn't like seeing Taj get so much run behind Nerwin's Noel because it's like it's dra- we're not getting a rim protector. But then I'm banging for a wing. So now I have to hear trade. Trades a ooh, what about Boogie Cousins? Ooh, what about uh, what we got? We got a, we got a, and, and this is just like it's not like Drummond's defensive solution. Win rating, <laughs> yeah. I was like going at Alex, like giving him ridiculous stats about like Drummond's been leading the NBA in rebounds since like since 2015, since we were like in law school. Like I'm like, dude, he has not stopped leading the, the league in rebounds. So this is what I got to deal with on a daily basis. Just just so you know, Jeremy. Oh, but, well. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I I. I probably shouldn't rock the boat here, but I do have to go with. I would look for a wing over a big. I'm sorry, but no, that's fine. I mean, that's fine. I'm 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 not crazy about Reggie Bullock and Burks, and I actually agree with you. Like Burks is, I mean, is what's correlation and causation? Like, is he is the games that he does really well the games that the Knicks end up killing, or is he you know doing this in garbage time? Like, you know, it, it, it's a debate, but. I mean, especially in the beginning of the year, if Alec Burks was on, we were we were flying through teams. But it went, if he was off, like we had no shot. So, and I know Alex is the Alex will tell you number one, 
he hates doesn't hate but he well he hates the inconsistencies of Reggie Bullock, and so that's really where his hate comes from. And he, he, Bullock's not getting to me too much, you know, as as much as like Noel or the fact that we we can't give the ball to our center and have him like do something on offense. Like that drives me nuts. Or like if we get a nice screen, I'm like, whoa, that was a sick screen. Like no, just like <laughs> set a screen every play. Like it drives me nuts. We're we're not trying to make you our therapist now, Jeremy. But uh, this is <laughs> how does that make you feel? <laughs> it's tough out here, man. It's yeah. tough out here. Definitely tough. But I think we're all in agreement on you know. I, I think I think we can all be in agreement how we feel about IQ. I know I would like to. I think we would all say like we would love to see IQ start. I think um, if he was more comfortable playing in that position, just you know, like we saw him play against Mike Connolly, right, and how. He, he struggled. I'm just concerned when it comes to starting. Like, you have to go against other starting guards in this league. And then, like, you got Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons, all these other guys that you have to face. And I'd rather have him come in and be successful or just, like, someone just, like, you know, someone that can guide him along the way. Like, if you do have Derrick Rose next to him, it's like, okay, D. Rose can go play because he's more experienced vet. Is he going to lock down these guys? Probably not. All right. Like, I'm not, I'm not that delusional to, to think that, but he can at least help quickly on that side alleviate you know i actually put in my piece uh, recently for knicksfantv.com that on court net rating when since d rose is since d rose came came over for iq increased from 0.7 to 5.4 so d rose does help like iq and i love to see them on the court together it's just it's so dynamic so i think that's that i agree i agree with you john on that aspect so it's not necessarily like having iq and games like by himself but I know that there's a cap for D Rose. I just want to make sure that we get IQ like for the remainder because there's no way you want to end with D Rose. It's like, all right, now we're going to overtime. It's like, oh crap, those knees gonna hold up, bro. <laughs> so yeah. that's the big concern. Yeah. But let's get into let's get into the crux of what we got Jeremy here for today. We got a trade deadline coming up March 25th, not too far away. Jeremy, you are you are the cap guru in this podcast. For Nick's film school, because we hear you break it down. We I've read your newsletters, man. Those things, they're detailed, they're in depth, and Thank that's you. why we got you here. So, what would you like to see the Knicks do to maneuver the trade deadline? I know you wrote a piece about Victor Oladipo. Um, you started off that piece as you concluded, saying that you know you start off saying, you know, I, I'd want Oladipo on this team, but you said it was better in theory than it is in practice. So, we know Oladipo is a player that's out there in in the NBA world for the Knicks to go get. Uh, what, what Who else would you want to see them get? How would you like to see them use their cap space? What are you looking for for the Knicks to do? So I think I'm probably in the minority in that I'd rather, like I'm not saying punt on this year by any stretch, but I think there's a ceiling to this team, but there's also a floor. And I think that this team has the pieces to at least play in a play-in game. And so... Would I like to see a run? Of course, I'd love to see the Knicks even get the fourth or fifth seed and then avoid the playing game completely. And you have a, a really nice opportunity of even getting the second round. Who would have thought? I just don't know how feasible that would be. And I'm kind of trying to evaluate the long and the short term and everything. So I would probably prefer taking on, like, you know, getting some sort of assets, more future assets than not in terms of short term upgrades. But if the Knicks did do something short term, you know, I think an Evan Fournier type would be great to see. I, there are enough contracts where, I mean, you could absorb him no matter what. 
you could basically absorb him. It's, you'd have to send out, you know, like an Austin Rivers and you could get him. But the idea of taking on assets and then trading for another player that is of value. So like, again, like I don't necessarily want Victor Oladipo, but doing that type of move or if JJ Redick, if the Pelicans are adamant about moving him and they see that he doesn't really have value and he wants to be in the Northeast and they want to honor that, something like Redick and they have pretty good second round pick. They have one of two, maybe one of those. And they take back, I don't know, like Austin Rivers and Kevin Knox. That sort of thing, where you're making lateral moves, but you're also trying to think of the future too. So, but I agree. I think that if it if Derek Rose, because as you guys are saying, not sure how long he'll hold up given the minutes. And if Emmanuel quickly is not quite ready, then it's like, well, basically we're looking at upgrading the entire backcourt to a degree. Like you're not going to find another point guard necessarily, but that mindset of, okay, well, how feasible is it for us to do that when we've got a little under 30, what, 34, 35 games left, um, maybe 33, whatever, the, the math is around there. And kind of to trying to upgrade the team enough to get to a point where you feel confident in getting past that that hurdle. And I don't know if that's really feasible. I think it might just be like a step-by-step process where we see this team just kind of do whatever because this year is really gravy no matter what, and then address the problem in free agency and the draft and maybe through an off-season trade. So personally, I would like to see some sort of asset accumulation, nothing too crazy, but just any little bit helps. And, you know, maybe one of those pieces that can be an upgrade, that would be ideal too. So buying and selling would be perfect for me. Okay, buying and selling. So let me ask you this then. If you saw, what about trading for like Lonzo Ball, if we're really going to talk about upgrading the backcourt? How would you feel if the Knicks made a move for Lonzo, say... What do I feel? What do I think like a trade for Alonzo would include something of like Kevin Knox, maybe a Frank Nilakina, Austin Rivers. Um, I don't know if all three of them, I don't know if that's exceed. I'd have to look at the numbers again. But what would you say something along those lines? And would you, do you think it would have to be like a first round pick in there? Like, what do you think like two second round picks? What do you think about getting Alonzo ball? What do you think that trade package would look, would look like? And what do you think about just getting him in general for the Knicks? I really like Lonzo. I kind of did a 180 on him. I thought this season was just, in a lot of ways, like seasons past, but his defense is spectacular. He's consistently taking on the biggest defensive requirements and guarding players in the NBA for assignments. So that's great. Really good spot-up shooter. He's not a point guard, but he can move so well as a ball handler in transition. Um, and he's shooting a crazy amount from three on like almost eight attempts per game. So he is a great player to slot in. With that being said, because of that, he'll come with a hefty price. And I think that if you wanted to trade for him, you'd probably have to give up a first-round pick. Um, and so one of the things that I've kind of bounced around is the idea of, okay, well, at what point do you say, like, this Mavericks pick is valuable, but do we want to use it just as is? Do we want to move up in a trade? Or are we comfortable saying we basically came out of this year with, you know, whatever the Knicks pick is going to be, and that first, that with other pieces, perhaps, turns into Lonzo Ball. Like that kind of mindset of, okay, well, that's a pretty good thing to do when you're flipping one of those picks into that player. But then you have to worry about retaining him at the price that you want because he is a restricted free agent. So I think for Knicks fans, there's two different anxieties. It's one, trading anything of value for him. And it's two, trying to get him in free agency, even though you already have his rights. Because if another team tries to come along and screw you over then you're 
not in a great space. So I would do it. It's just, I can understand the hesitation for why fans wouldn't. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. John, you got any questions for Jeremy on what you expect, what you want from trades? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, let's sticking with the point guard. I mean, just in general, his like Jeremy, your philosophy. I agree with you. Like we're we're sort of to- like there is a ceiling and there is a floor. We're sort of like in in this middle line, and we're not really sure, right? Like one day we're above five hundred, one day we're like right around there. I, I, I'm with you, and the only time I'm willing to like sell the house, and by sell the house, I mean like multiple first round picks unprotected, is when you're talking. Devin Booker or, you know, Carl Anthony Towns. I'm with you. And, you know, there's no reason to get into that. Yes, we want them to on the team. You know, like, we, we can move on from there. But but when, when there's certain players, for me, like Drummond and like Kyle Lowry, who, yes, they're going to be free agents next year, and I get that. And they're – and. I mean, I guess Kyle Lowry's kind of old because he's in the 30s, but Drummond, it's hard to call him old, But even though he's played so long in the league. Um, but, I mean, from my perspective, why you would trade for those guys is for bird rights, right? So Kyle Lowry, I know he's going to be a, a, a free agent next year, but he is the perfect player for a starting point guard for the Tibbs offense. He's super gritty on defense. He gets the offensive fouls and he's a great teacher for iq like if you could teach iq how to get in there make sure the the defenders behind you box him out get the boards i mean it's beautiful if we can trade and and we all know the knicks love him right due to the past you know dealings if we can somehow grab him and then we can sign him on bird rights next year that to me is a huge advantage not only for this year but also again because he could help us with the cap and there's this one weird thing I'm going to say with the picks, and I kind of want to get your, um, I, you know, what, what, you think, what, you, what you think about this. But Tibbs, I mean, I know he's playing IQ because he doesn't really have a choice. IQ has left him with no choice. You have to play me. Every time I come in here, I'm getting four, five, threes. But we know he doesn't really love rookies. So, like, at the end of the day, how much... Like, what is the value for, for in Tibbs' eyes of, you know, next year, not this year's, but next year's, you know, Dallas pick? You know what I'm saying? Like, it all, it sounds, I'm sure, like, you're just like, is he going to hold on to it like the Celtics? I don't know. It just doesn't feel like a Tibbs move. So, one, just like, uh, what do you think of Lowry? And I know I kind of parlayed that with Drummond, but it's kind of the same idea. And what do you feel about Tibbs and um, his idea of draft picks in general or his value of them? Sure. Well, the one thing with Lowry is that, Bird rights probably wouldn't matter as much because the Knicks would still be under the cap. So because the Knicks are going to go into free agency with like probably close to $50 million, uh, they don't necessarily need to exceed anything to re-sign him because they could just do it without. Like if, if the Knicks were a capped out team, I would totally see the value. But as of now, it's kind of like, okay, well, training for, for Lowry makes sense if you want him this year. But moving forward, you could just kind of lure him away. Uh, similar could be said of Drummond. I mean, the thing about Drummond is that it feels to me more like a panic move because I think you could find similar caliber talent for much less at that position. Like Drummond's, um, his efficiency has been terrible this year. I don't know if that's just kind of an off year for him or if that's a sign of things to come because he's been pretty good in the past. But the idea of having Drummond and Mitch 
Drummond started pretty much every single game except for one since uh, the beginning of his second year in the NBA. So are you going to have Drummond be your guy moving forward? Are you going to have it be Mitch? Because I don't think you can have one coming off the bench for the other. So it's this whole idea of like, well, can you can you stave off anything? Because like I would rather cut Brazdakis, for example, than dip my toe in trying to get Drummond in his m- monster salary. Uh, and I'm sure that at this point in his career, if he wanted a buyout, which he very well could get, he'd probably want to join a team that's got a higher ceiling than the Knicks might have. So, yep. and that's the other thing. If you trade like for him Lakers. and then he says like, I don't want to really be here, then it's like, okay, well, what do we necessarily trade him for? In terms of quickly and just kind of like the play style, yeah, there was a report not too long ago, I believe, where the Knicks weren't totally sure is quickly an on-ball guy, is he off-ball? I think having Randall be such a great playmaker, it lessens that need right now, and you kind of just let quickly become who he is, which is fantastic. And for draft picks, you know, I really think the Knicks are going to consolidate in some way because with the amount of money that they have and the positions that they likely have locked up, like I kind of look at next year, right, as like, well, let's just assume RJ and Randall are still here. And then let's say Mitch is here as well, quickly and topping. You're already at five. And then you traded for Derek Rose. You probably want to keep him, so... Let's add six there. Uh, and then it's the other guys. It's just a complete question mark. I would imagine with all that money that you have left over, you're going to want to try to sign some legitimate veterans. And if you can sign even three of them and you're left with $20 million, well, you're already at eight roster spots. And we know that Tibbs likes to keep it tight around 10. So we're talking about two holes to fill, three draft picks, and still plenty of cap space. And, you know, you've got like your Theo Pinsons and whatever to fill up spots as well. So I'd like to see the Knicks consolidate their picks at, as best as possible because, you know, yes, you can find talent like quickly at 25. That's true. And you can find talent like top and at eight. And I don't, you know, I, I like Obi, but I, I don't necessarily mean that in the most positive way because, yes, that position of drafting from like six to 10, usually you're lucky if it yields you a starter, just kind of the way it works out. But the idea of like, okay, well, would I rather have quality or quantity? And I'd rather have quality because I think that like with the Danny Ainge and the Celtics, you can only have so much success picking outside of the lottery and holding onto your picks. So um, and I think that's another thing too. A lot I've seen a lot of fans try to throw in that Dallas 2023 pick into deals. And for me, it's two things. It's one, a lot of fans like doing that because they view it as least valuable of all of them. And so other teams are probably going to see that too because you know you have to trade value to get value. Uh, but the second thing for me is I would much rather trade future picks in the future. Like John, you talked about Booker and Cat, for example. It's a lot easier to trade a 2023 pick when you're in 2023 than it is to trade that 2021 pick when you're already in 2023 because that 2021 pick is now a player. So keeping, you know, picks that are 2023 and beyond, which I think is what Leon is doing on purpose. I don't think it's just because of the idea of the double draft happening. I think that he knows that one of those two former clients of his who went to Kentucky that they are going to be in the last years of their contract. And I think it's going to be Booker, but it could be Cat. Who knows? The ability to use those picks as leverage and flip them for something and create something bigger, 
I think that makes a lot more sense. So, and that's also kind of why I'm curious as to why the Knicks might go short term when they could play the long game and finally trade for a big player and maybe sign another one too. So I guess that's a, a long-winded way of saying I think that consolidation is the key. It's just it's so hard to know from the outside looking in what prospects those are. No, that that, that makes a lot of sense, Jeremy. And um, like I would like I think I want the Knicks to play the long game because I don't see anything right now in the immediate future. Like the, everyone was hyping up this free agency class, right? And it's like, well, that that's already dwindled. We got nobody coming out. You know, Giannis sent it to Kumpo, which is a Big pipe dream. He signed uh, Kawhi Leonard. Doubtful that he's going to opt out. He's probably going to stay in L.A. just because, one, he's from there. Two, like, he has no need to look weird. Unless someone's in contact with uh, Uncle Dennis, I, I doubt that he's going to come over here. So I-, I would hope for the Knicks to play the long game. You know, we're our players are also, if we look at the ages of them, right? Like, if we look at, like, R.J. Barrett, we look at Emmanuel quickly. Like, we're talking about young 20s, 20, 21. Um when you think of someone like Devin Booker, who maybe like hopefully like right like that's what we're hoping for. Like we can actually use these draft capital, this draft capital to trade for someone like Devin Booker. Hopefully around then, when he still aligns with the same age of all these guys, and you're like, all oh, right, sweet, that makes sense. Instead of just pushing some chips in right now for a win now move, which is kind of like, what, what what's the purpose of this? We're not really going far. And like if we look at the competition, are you going to tell us that we're gonna? beat LeBron James, there's a better chance that LeBron James won't be here and hopefully not in 2023, but hopefully he won't be here and he doesn't doing some crazy like Tom Brady stint where he's just like doesn't age and he's going Benjamin Button on us and like he's out of the league and then it's like, all right, now we can actually like come play and just like be like compete. You know what I mean? If we got to worry about Mike Budenholzer and trying to figure out how to be successful in the playoffs, I'd rather go against that than someone like LeBron James uh, just who consistently like wins or is always in the finals or even like maybe the Warriors get better again. Maybe you have to go against someone like Steph Clay and someone like within the short term. They're, they'll probably be done at that point. So I, I agree with you and looking for the long term where we can potentially get like a younger player who's better like a Devin Booker or maybe even Cat. I, I just I, I'm not sold on Cat. I just can't see it. I, I just for me. I agree. Yeah, especially with the Tibbs and Cat stuff. But I I, I definitely agree with the Booker. Uh, situation i for some crazy weird reason have a feeling it's going to happen sooner rather than later i think he hates the chris ball experiment out in phoenix i think it uh, that's just like the more i watch league pass the more i feel like he just hates being on the court with him and he doesn't get the respect that he deserves he literally gets mad every play this year it's 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 like it's it's weird to watch and now there is more rumors that he's unhappy i don't know that's just for me and Specifically, Jeremy, I, I just want to say I agree with you on the Drummond thing, especially because of Mitch. Like, it, it's going to be hard to, like, maneuver that starting center and backup center. And that's why, if you like, if you ask Alex, I'm dying for a backup center. Like, and, and, and that's really, like, my, my eyes are focused on, you know, Jonas Valanciunas. And I'm, like, screaming about him and looking up his stats. And everyone's like, why the hell do you care about, you know, Jonas Valanciunas? I'm like, because, like, he set screens and... I don't know if we're going to re-sign Noel. And so I, I guess my last question to you regarding the, the trade deadline is people like I, – I know they're all not the same, but I'm, I'm going to categorize them just because I don't see them – I don't see them in the future of the Knicks. So like Austin Rivers, Kevin Knox, Frank, maybe even Noel. 
Like, do you do you see all the uh, Alfred Payton? You know, I'm sorry to bring him up again. Like, do you see these guys? You know, making it past the deadline. I uh, and and if if they don't, do you think that if they do stay, do you think their minutes are going to change, or do you think it's basically going to be like this for the next thirty or some odd games? I think the, of the guys you mentioned, at least two to three of them will be moved. I think Austin Rivers, without a doubt, he's got to go. It's just not the right fit for him and. He's been really professional about that, which is great. But there's a, I'm sure there's an agreement of we'll just find you a spot that is on a team that is not here. Um, Knox not to me is <laughs> yeah. uh, Knox to me is the guy where it's like you don't have to move him because he's not on um, you know some sort of clock it, it, or that's expiring. Whereas like all the other players you named are expiring contracts, so I would much rather move them. First, but if you can move Knox as well in the right deal, go for it. He's right now a situational cheerleader for what, like a little under $5 million? We can find a new home for him. I think Peyton, yeah, you know, we malign him, but he, as Alex, you were saying, there's a role for him and maybe the Clippers are a possibility. Maybe it's another team that could just use some point guard depth. Um, cause the, the Clippers are in a weird spot where it's like they'd have to trade Lou Will. Or Zubats, and I don't see yep. them trading Zubats. And Lou Will's done pretty well recently. Like I know he was really struggling at the beginning of the year. So if they're comfortable trading him, then there's your answer. Just outside of those two guys, it's, it's going to be weird for them. I, I'm also I said I tweeted like maybe a month ago or so that it wasn't happening based on the math. So I'm sticking with that because uh, I don't want to be wrong. But if I have to be, I'll totally own it. <laughs> um, yeah, you know I, I think that Frank could easily be moved if he's not going to stay here long-term. I'm sure some team would like to try him out. In terms of minutes, I think that it's only going to get tougher. I don't see Knox sniffing the court outside of garbage time because especially with having one of the hardest schedules in the NBA to finish the season, there's such slim margin for error that you just kind of have to ride your guys. And that's a little concerning with Rose because of the knees, which then again is why you could look into maybe upgrading a point guard, or I could then see the Knicks philosophy of, well, we really like Rose and we really like quickly and we couldn't really find a taker for Alfred Payton. So we're just going to keep him here. I think that would be foolish, but I, I get it from a depth perspective. So yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think, I don't think walking out of this year with money still to spend is the worst thing because you can carry that cap space into the draft. And then like talking about consolidating picks, if you take on an expiring contract for the end of the 2021-22 season and that comes with the pick attached and then you move up that way or you're able to you know, do something with it. I, I think that's how you can maneuver. So I, I'm really anxious but very excited for this year because I think it'll be a good – uh, trade deadline for the Knicks in terms of the moves that they make. I don't know how busy it'll be for the NBA as a whole because it just doesn't seem like a lot of stars that are going to be moved or, you know, kind of starting caliber players. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited and I, I could definitely see at least three or four of those guys getting moved. No, absolutely. I, I think we, John and I are on the same page where we can see those guys getting moved too. I, I think Knox is probably the least likely, in my opinion, to get moved just because I think. You know, you have Kenny Payne here. I look at it from a stance where it's like, okay, 
We was we were told he was going to be a three year project. I don't consider last season a year for him. I don't even know what to consider that for him because it was just an abomination and it was a disservice to Kevin Knox. I look at this as like year two for him under like actual like he played thirty like some odd minutes every single game his rookie year. Second season he got that cut in half and like barely sniffed the floor for like because Mike Miller's trying to keep a job. Fizdale clearly didn't know how to coach, um, and now you have a coach in. Thibodeau, who's like, who has a good coaching staff with him, and they're all trying to like get him right. So, I think this is his second year, and they're gonna be like, look, we'll try one more year, and if it's we see nothing's happening next year, we'll move him. But we, doesn't mean we won't put him in a deal now if we can find something really good. That's how I feel about Knox. Um, him and Frank are like Frank. Frank is just such a weird player for me to like evaluate like how the team feels about him because it's not I we could keep saying like oh this is not the front office that drafted him but somehow he's made it to this point with so many different coaches and front offices that it's just miraculous as he pointed out earlier on this pod um but definitely Austin Rivers I could see getting moved there's just no way he can stay on here there's just, I, he needs to play I know he needs to, I he's not gonna he's there's no way he's gonna sit on that bench and just be unhappy I feel like that's just gonna like just fester and just cause a problem me. I'm not saying Austin Rivers is a bad person, but I just feel like that's just going to fester, and you're just going to see it in interviews when people talk to him, or even in the locker room. Um, but Peyton, I know, I know, I know you mentioned that the Clippers is like money situation. I'm just saying it because from like a, an actual standpoint, of just like if you inserted Peyton into that lineup, it actually just works. I don't know if they can oh. do it. I would hope there's just like another team that can do it. Maybe wasn't he on the Suns at one point? Was Peyton on the Suns at one point? He was. Yeah, the Magic traded him to Phoenix. At the end There's, of his, uh, you know, maybe that that could yeah. be a team that could do it too. I mean, please, I'll I'll take I'll take. Oh, who was it too? Uh, oh my god, I was. It's like so. I actually did like a whole trade thing. I forget who the the player is too. It's like a third string point guard on the team. I forget his name. Um, I'd have to look this up for the Suns. Sorry. Yeah, from the Suns. Uh, Alfred uh, lost. Alfred lost his powers with his hair, man. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. <laughs> I mean, oh, uh, were you thinking of Carter or campaign? Carter, thank you, Carter. I was thinking about uh, J- was it Javion Carter? Yeah, Is that how you pronounce? Yeah, Javion mm-hmm. Carter. So I, was, I, I actually like his game. I think he would actually be a nice like replacement. Um, he's also young enough too. Uh, not that Payne's like over the hill, but I think he could still add more to his game than what Payne has for a seven-year vet who hasn't developed a shot. So, hey, Phoenix Suns, if you need someone to attack the paint, please uh, just. Hit that 212 area code number. Uh, call the New York Knicks. Please call MSG. You, call, you can talk to me. I can try to do a deal for you. All right. I, I'll try to put in a word for Leon if I can reach him. <laughs> but, you know, that's, I think that's what we got for uh, the, the trade deadline. Jeremy, thank you for that. Definitely uh, ironing out some situations. I will ask you one more thing, though, before we actually move on to the upcoming slate. If you had to predict right now, the move that the Knicks make, what do you think is going to happen by the trade deadline? Man, um, that's a great question. Deep into I, your, I know you've been joking <laughs> about Brock Aller. I, I want you to dive deep in there, bro. <laughs> Let's yeah. hear it. <laughs> no Evan Fournier either. No Evan Fournier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. Um, I think the like the four D chess move would be looking at a team that is in some sort of financial distress next year and trading to help them out. So like Austin Rivers, for example, we talk about how he's on a cheap contract and he's got a great deal. 
But another really nice caveat of his contract is that it counts against the salary cap until the moratorium ends. So basically, if a team wants to like have a fake salary, that's it. And they can do with that as they please. So like, I'm trying to think of a team like the Jazz. If there were an opportunity similar to what they did with Ed Davis, sending out expiring salary and getting some sort of salary back, Utah is a little weird because they're, they're so close to getting under the luxury tax and then getting hit with the repeater tax the next year. But there's not necessarily that move they can make that gets them under with ease. So figuring out how to do that, that would be kind of like some next level Brock Aller move. Um, or maybe like, again, it could be purely financial. If a team like the Pelicans wants to save money because the Benson family, they own the Saints, they own, you know, obviously on the Pelicans, there's a, they have a lot invested and it's been a pretty rough year trading to get a JJ Redick and then trading Alfred Payton or Alec Burks and Austin Rivers to them and getting back a second round pick too, to help sweeten the deal for New York's perspective. Like that type of thing where you're not, you're not necessarily salary. They're like other teams aren't salary dumping. They're just salary cutting. Cause it's not like they're flat out saying we're going to dump this whole contract. So I'd love to see something along those lines. But again, if you can make a Derek Rose type move where you're trading a guy who wants to be in the G league and a pick that's like in the forties for a legitimate rotation piece. That's okay. Cause I think there are enough moves you can make in addition with the, with the salary cap you have, or the, excuse me, the cap space you have left to get extra assets and trade players that, you know, for some sort of small term upgrade, short term upgrade. All right. So I'm expecting, uh, I'm expecting now a move for, uh, financial reasons and getting, uh, some late second rounders to move or hopefully a nice, uh, nice moderate move like a D Rose move. All right. So now with that segment closed, we're going to move on to the upcoming slate. And quite the upcoming slate do we have. So we got the New York Knicks facing the Brooklyn Nets on Monday. I know this podcast will come out on Tuesday. I know we covered it last week with uh, CK2K. But we're going to get Jeremy's take as well to think of uh, what's going to happen. So when you hear this, Jeremy will predict the game right. Accurate and won you some money on FanDuel, all right? And then we got on Tuesday, uh, we got the Knicks at the 76ers where our, where our boy John will be there rooting for the New York Knicks. He may be an earshot of Tom Thibodeau, all right? He may be on the He'll court hear as me. well. Who knows? He'll hear me. I'm a loud guy. I don't know if I'll be in here. He'll hear me. <laughs> he may hop on the court and be a point guard too if it gets to that, uh, gets to that level. And then we got the Magic. On Thursday, and then we end the week with the Knicks home against the 76ers. So, Jeremy, what do you think is going to happen this week for the New York Knicks? Are they going? Well, let me get, let's, cause I'm just, f- because we did the Nets, you know, I, I don't want to include, I don't want to include that. So I just want to hear your take on the Nets. And then for the remaining games, is it going to be 0 and 3, 1 and 2, 2 and 1, 3 and 0? So let me get your take on the Knicks. Uh, at the Nets first. What, what do you think is going to happen that game? Well, it's crazy how Julius Randle scored 100 points. <laughs> I mean, I just, I wasn't expecting it. I thought, you know, usually he's a lot more pass happy, but he was determined to at least tie Wilt's record. So I, I appreciate that he did. Uh, it's a shame, though, that the Nets still covered because, of course, they did. Um, <laughs> oh, man, what's that six- spread? <laughs> what's that spread right now? Is it tough? I even look I, at it. I don't know, but I've got 
I mean, I think the Bucks spread was like 11 or so. Yeah. So I would imagine the Nets spread, especially if they're at home. Yeah, it's uh, not great. Um, so, yeah, I'd say for the Sixers game, I just really want to see the Knicks beat Ben Simmons for once. That'd be really nice. He has That'd be nice. never lost to the Knicks. So, uh, John, maybe you can uh, say he something. Us. He owns yeah. us, man. I don't want to say anything. He owns us Actually, so yeah, don't, much. Don't say anything. Yeah, I don't want to say anything. Quiet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to watch. Like, put my hand, put my head in my hand every time Ben Simmons has the ball. Or maybe if you like give him words of praise, maybe that's something that he actually would be like, oh, well, that's nice, but it's not really encouraging. Like it's not as pull, motivating for pull him. Pull the Andrew Luck. So. Like every time Andrew Luck gets sacked, yeah. like, good job. Big <laughs> Ben Simmons, good job out there, bud. Good job. Take the three. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, okay. The, the update the Knicks are seven and a half point underdogs. Better than Milwaukee. Better than Milwaukee. That makes me happy. I don't think we're going to cover it, but it makes me happy. <laughs> all right, all right. So, Jer- so, uh, so, Jeremy, before we get into the Philly, you th- so you got the Knicks. You think the Knicks are going to cover this game uh, against the Brooklyn Nets? I don't. Um, okay. I think the Nets are just rolling on so many cylinders, even without KD. I just, I think they're going to be really good against the Knicks, and uh, I don't think it'll be hideous, but I don't think it'll be pretty. Probably like what, maybe a. 15 point loss, which considering they just lost by 33 to the Bucks, that it could be worse. But then again, I thought the Knicks would only lose by like 20 to the Bucks. So at this rate, they'll probably lose by 25 to the Nets. All right. No, I, I can get that. I, I can, uh, I can agree with you on that. I do like this team is a, is a super team. I'm sorry. I'm just laughing at the cat right behind you because yeah, she, I, I, uh, she just loves to bounce around. I saw your cat at one point. That's right. He uh, he apparently likes to come around, especially when I podcast. Uh, shockingly, he's not thing. here now. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> what's her name? Her name is Tic Tac. Tic Tac. Oh, yeah. All right. She nice. uh, she came with the name. She's a rescue. She was a rescue, but oh, that's yeah, awesome. She's, she's pretty sweet. Now she's very very <laughs> very pretty cat. <laughs> my, my cat. My cat's name is Wally. Uh, named after nice. the Flash. Um, okay, not Zerbiak. No, not Wally. Oh. Sorry, no. Not oh, tough. If I had, if I oh, now that you, you know, I didn't even put that two, two and two together. Me neither. Me neither. I wish oh, I did earlier. Man, <laughs> Jesus. At least he's just not giving me some wild takes. All right. At least my cat's not giving me some. <laughs> I have to like wake up with my cat in the face. Like, did you know that Alfred Payton is actually doing a really good job today? I'll be like, all right, you're not getting food right now. We're we're, we're putting in just, a timeout. Comes up as well with like these monster eyebrows. You're like, how, how do you even have eyebrows? It doesn't make any sense. So you had whiskers just popping out. What's going yeah. on over here? <laughs> oh, man. If people could see this image, this is hilarious. Tic Tac is just right by the mic. I love it. Yeah, I she'll probably it. meow at some point. Nope, she's going for my lap. That's what it is. All right. All right. There sure. we go. That's sweet. Anyway. All right, back back onto the games instead of uh, John having to listen to us uh, talk about our cats. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I agree. I think the Nets are. I think the Nets are going to win this one. John and I agreed on this one. I think one it's going to be closer week. though. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be close. Like eight to twelve all game. Like hopefully, like you know, bottom single. I, I do. I, I do. I, I will say, uh, watching Harden play on the Nets has been great. I hate watching Harden play uh, on the on the Rockets. He's been great, and as much as I hate to say it, Kyrie has has like 
his his layup package obviously amazing, but watching him play recently, man, like he's been unbelievable. And Alex, you alluded to it. We our point guards are out, so it's gonna be tough. But I, I see him kind of being in like the eight to twelve, fifteen range all game. Like it's gonna be fun. I don't think it's gonna be a blowout. I, maybe I just in my heart, I just I can't watch a blowout. That'd be tough. Nets daily will be all over it. The, the, the Nick's Twitter will be yeah. crying. It'll be tough, man. Oh Jesus. Okay. All right. Enough Nets talk for today. All right. That's it. But I, I agree. Uh, I hate the Nets. Just so you know, Jeremy. I really. And it's not even that it's like a, a deep seated rivalry. It's just because like I actually know Nets people. I've met, I've met cool Nets people, but then when I would just before I moved to Boston, I just hang out in like Astoria, hang out in Brooklyn, like <clears throat> like Williamsburg, right, to be specific. Um, I just hear like hipsters be like, yeah, we got a new Nets team in here. I'm just like, what the hell are you all talking about? You're just like, new Nets team? It's a basketball team. All right. The Nets are the name of the team. Okay. They're like, yeah, you know, like the best player they've ever had on the team is like Deron Williams. I'm just like, all right. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. I have to leave. We have to go. Uh, so I can't, I can't stand it for that reason. Just the hipsters are just like, I have nothing against hipsters, but they just killed it for, for basketball. Um, but let's move on for the rest of the game. So what do you expect from this week? We got the Knicks at 76ers, Knicks versus the Magic, Knicks versus 76ers again on Sunday. Do you see them going one and two, two and one, three and oh, oh and three? How do you feel? I think it's one and two, you know, kind of boring answer, but. The thing about the Magic game is it's a trap game to me. Like, the Magic are very feisty. And, I mean, I would like to think that the Knicks owe the Magic one for the beatdown that they gave the Knicks in, what, February? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, who knows? It's it's um, They're a team that kind of plays with nothing to lose, even though they've lost so many people. I'm curious what happens with Vucevic long-term, but also I think Aaron Gordon might be back now. Mm. Um, so it'll be a tight one, but I think one and two is the safe bet. I just, those Sixers teams are so good, unless you can get them with Ben Simmons resting, but I don't, he's just had a week off, basically. So yeah. there's not really a reason necessarily to rest him. Yeah, no, I, 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 could, I could see that. John, how, how are you feeling about this week? Um... Specifically on the Magic, um, I am hoping that we have that game circled like Milwaukee did for us. And because, I mean, Orlando, Orlando's not a secret, I think, to the Knicks. I mean, I don't know if it's just for Knicks fans or like just to the Knicks. Like, we know. We know going into Orlando games that Fournier is going to go off. You know, they're forward if it's, you know, if it's Terrence Ross or... Um, their their injured their injured player from FSU his name is slipping my mind right now but when he was in he would he would give us work um, and of course uh, Vucevic Isaac. so oh yeah Isaac yeah that's right so I mean they always give us work so I'm hoping that it's not a trap game and that's one of the ones especially because it's gonna be at home so we have we we're, we're, the Brooklyn game is technically an away game but we're home. Right, the Knicks traveled home, and then the Philly game. I'm driving there from from New York, and then going back to work. That's only an hour away, so that's that's a really a home game. And then they're gonna be home versus the Magic, and then home versus the Sixers. So, as much as we like to talk about their hard schedule, this is a kind of an easy point we have. So, if you're gonna give me the net, Nets L, I I need that Sixers W, and then give me the Magic W as well. 
And then Sunday, 76ers, we just beat them. That's an L. So I, I got I got two and two on the week, and then two and one uh, if you don't count the the Nets game. Yeah, we're we're not counting the Nets game because we did it last week. So we're not gonna. I mean, nothing has changed, so we're gonna keep it to what we picked last week, John. So for me, I'm gonna go one and two, uh, just because I went. Let's see. I just, I just, I just can't. I can't like even though Embiid is out. I could just see Ben Simmons just going on a tear. He he's somehow played well without Embiid too in the pre in the past. So I feel like with more shooters and then him being in the paint and just like playing the way that he does, it's uh is gonna be tough for the Knicks. I would hope for them to get one. Um and I feel if they are gonna get one, I feel like it's your it's your favorite day and my favorite day, opposite day Sunday that they're gonna do it home in the garden. Um, but it's not gonna be in their on their home cards home court. So I'm sorry that you're going down there to go witness that. Um but I do think the Knicks are going to get I will be mad. yelling at you if we go if we lose that game a lot. I'll be yelling a lot if we lose that game. I know you'll be yelling at me a lot because I can just hear it through the text. <laughs> so you got to say it through the broadcast though. Like at this like don't even yell at it Tibbs just, you know, scream like Alex, can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> just hit direct source. Yeah, hear it right hurt. through there. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh Jesus! Could be like seeing uh, Chris Persiana on TV, right? I'm going to see John just screaming at you, yep. like you mother. I'm like, oh great, just what I need to see at home. Well, <laughs> got to bring I'm, a sign. I'm going to be. I'm, I'm going to be. Well, I'm going to be with Anthony Donahue uh, in a suite. So honestly, because he works for MSG, if you might catch me on the camera, so hopefully I won't embarrass myself. So <laughs> the bar is low. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so I think we could end this saying that because I, I I only see us beating the Magic uh, this week. Um, I think we got it. I think we're gonna go back. I feel like it's a non and off thing between us and the Magic. So I feel like we're gonna get this one. Um, especially you think Sixers are gonna take us down twice. Man, they always get. They Come have on, like, they've had our number. We're not gonna even get a split. I would love to see a split, oh, dude. But. No one beat. We can't even get a split. Oh, that that hurt. Be so that hurt. I mean, I'm going to give credit to Dwight Howard. He somehow revitalized his career playing uh, the center position. So it's not like they had, it's, it's not like it's some Joe Schmo off the street. It's like, all right, you went from, uh, Joel Embiid, who is an MVP candidate to, uh, oh, look, a soon to be Hall of Famer once he retires at some point. So it's, that's quite the, it's not really that much of a, it's a drop in talent wise of what Joel could be, uh, does for that team, but, as like rim protector, paint defender, it it's not going to be that uh, that much of a drop. But all right, so I think we got Jeremy and myself going one and two, and we got John being optimistic with two and one, and then we all yeah. Think but that Jeremy ha- Jeremy has a uh, Jeremy has um, one of the splits in the Sixers, and he has a loss to the Magic. Right? Did I get that right? <laughs> oh no, I think they're going to get. I think they're going to lose both games of the Sixers. Unfortunately. <laughs> Oh wait! I thought you said we're going to lose to the Magic. I thought you said it was a trap game. No, I, I, it feels like a trap game, but I, I think they'll eventually win. Oh, also okay, at the, okay. At the Garden, yeah, like the way the last game went. I think, especially if Derrick Rose is back and maybe they get some more offense from IQ, but it's not going to be pretty. But yes, I, oh, okay, I okay. do not feel comfortable about or confident about the Sixers games at all, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, okay. So we're, we're all in the Magic game. I just The only difference is I have the 76ers game, and that's the one I'm going to. So I'm sure there's a little bias. Uh, <laughs> I, I, think it, I think it might be a little biased, John, if we're being honest. 
<laughs> I'm definitely taking the Knicks, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Can't wait to hear about that one. All right, so that covers it up for the next section of this podcast. We're going to take a quick little break, and then we'll be back for the et cetera portion. All right, everyone, and we're back from the break. We still got Jeremy with us for the et cetera portion to go over some general NBA topics. So, John, what do we got for et cetera today? What's up, Alex? We're et cetera today. As always, we're going to go through the TNT Tuesday slate. And fortunately for you guys, we all know all the names of these NBA players that are about to play in these games, first and last names, uh, not like Shaq. So you actually might uh, get some insight today. So the first game we have is the Jazz at the Celtics. Um, Since we have Jeremy, the capologist, you know, with us from Nick's film school, I figured we'd ask him a little bit about – he kind of touched on the Jazz – and, you know, their relationship with the cat. Um, and a little bit about the Celtics and Danny Ainge's philosophy with the trade. So um, how do you think this game is going to go, Jeremy? And um, do you see these teams making moves? I know I was mentioning during the break. Um, I can kind of see the Celtics making them. They, have, they do have their trade exception still, right? So I, I, I could see them. And Ryan Rosillo will also talk about how, you know, they're never going to use them. They're never going to use them. I think they're going to use them. And I think they might get somebody like Vucevic. Or someone even like KP on this team. So uh, how do you think this game's going to go? And uh, do you, how do you see these teams uh, maneuvering um, before the deadline? Game-wise, I'm really curious to see how it works out at the center position because, I mean, the Celtics are so bare at that spot. And the Jazz are fantastic. They're probably the best offensive rebounding team for big men uh, between Gobert and Favors. So I think that they could easily just destroy the Celtics from the perimeter as well. I'd like to see the Jazz win because it would mean a Celtics loss, which is always nice. But the Celtics are like, they're like that team where you you hope so badly that they lose and yet they just find a way to pull it out. And we saw the Jazz losing to the Warriors, so it would not shock me in the slightest if going over 3,000 miles and then losing in Boston happened. Um, in terms of for the future, the Celtics are hard capped because they did the Gordon Hayward trade. So if they want to use the full uh, trade exception, they'd have to send money out, which they could do. They could totally do that. But I think that from what I've read, it makes a lot more sense to have it in the off season. At least that's what Danny has hinted at. So doing that and trying to figure out a way to prioritize next year might make more sense. But I think the Celtics could definitely try to trade some of their expiring contracts for some sort of center. Maybe they could try to get Andre Drummond if he has some sort of buyout. But yeah, I I think they'd be a really fascinating case, and I hope they get no one. I hope that they miss the playoffs and and wind up with a a terrible pick. So Yeah, same, same. (laughs) Uh, We can all be on that side. You know, I could see the Jazz. who, Who won the last time? Did the Jazz beat the Celtics the last time? Uh, they matched up. I feel like, or did am I going nuts and they haven't matched up yet? I feel like they did. I can't remember, but I feel like this one is is calling is a calling for the Jazz. I feel like the Jazz has just been on a hot streak. Something like just yeah, they, I, they played on yeah they played on uh, February 9th. Uh, Jazz won one twenty two one oh eight. Okay, so, yeah, uh, I Mitchell would, had thirty six. Yeah, and nine. I feel like. I feel like Mitchell actually does play well in Boston for some strange reason, and I can actually see him 
once again, playing well. But at the same time, I don't look at, like, if we're comparing Favors and Rudy Gobert having to go against Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice, uh, it's not even a question. <laughs> it's tough. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, you know, I, I know Boston, Bostonians like to think of Daniel Tice as like uh, the next coming of uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar sometimes, but uh, sorry to inform you that just because you're a homer doesn't mean that it comes true. And I'm talking to you, Bryce like, Galbrini. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like... I feel like Tristan Thompson does well against uh, centers with no offense, like a Gobert. For some reason, um, man, centers that don't that can't put their back against the basket and get the ball are just such at a disadvantage. Like someone like Gobert or like Mitch, you know. I, I don't know. I, the, 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 sometimes I know Brad Stevens. I mean, it pisses me off sometimes um, with his rotations. I'm not even a Celtics fan. I generally want them to lose um but he bothers me sometimes with his rotations but other times he really is a genius out there with his x's and o's and he game plans uh against the other team so just because mitchell went off last time i can see them putting the clamps on him um so personally i I, as much as the jazz are obviously a better team and they're gonna and i mean without a doubt i i do think the celtics might take this game at home so you got the Celtics. Jeremy, who you got? You got Jazz winning this one? I'll you got take the Celtics. Celtics as well. You're going to take the Celtics too? I got the Jazz winning this one. Something about the Jazz and being in Boston, just because like, I've been here for so long at this point, I feel like the Jazz always have like a good game when they come to Boston, and so it's Donovan Mitchell, and I think that's just going to continue. Uh, also, it just makes me happy when I don't have to hear anything out in the streets about Boston winning a goddamn game. So... But- the quietness in Boston when they Jeremy lose is deci- the best. Jeremy decided to uproot and leave and just be like, you know what? I can't deal with this anymore. Going back to going back to the tri-state area. Going to go live a happy life, listen to my New York Knicks radio. And uh, Are you a Giants fan? I am. You're a Giant. Okay, so you don't have to deal with what John and I have to deal with. Uh, no. <laughs> which <unfortunately>. is just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I hate the setup that the Giants have, but I'm much happier being me through my Giants career that I'm sure you guys probably are as Jets so, through your Jets fandom. So then are you a Yankees fan too? I am. All right. So then we are, we're, all, we're all together, the Knicks and the Yankees. I, there we go. Good. Good. Bully. Bully. Uh, all right. So I got the Jazz winning. You get, you, both of you got the Celtics winning. Let's move on Unfortunately, to the next Unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. We've all had our stints. We've all done our stints in Massachusetts, Alex. <laughs> I'm doing, apparently I'm sticking around. I love my fiance, so we're gonna stay out here. You have a longer, <laughs> you have a longer sentence out good there, answer. Matt. <laughs> but the good thing is, I got her to watch Knicks games. She knows, and she knows Frank Nolakina. That's the best part. And she knows how to pronounce it properly, which some fans just don't. So, I that's I consider big. that an that's accomplishment. Big. All right, yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a huge W. That's a huge W. Um, so for the second game, we have the Pellies which we talked extensively about Lonzo Ball. Um, I'm really excited that Stan Van Gundy is starting to run the team through Zion Williamson. The Pelicans have been really fun to watch. Minus J.J. Redick, which is so weird. Um, that used to be like the highlight of their team, uh, what feels like te- a century ago. Um, and they're going against the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers are one of the funnest teams to watch in League Pass for sure. Uh, you got Dame. CJ still out, but... I mean, they, they they were doing really they're they're doing okay. I mean, Melo's there. You got some some Gary T- Trent Jr. action. Um, I I I kind of I kind of love 
the idea of LaMarcus Aldridge going there. That's kind of where my head's at um, mm. with the Trailblazers. Um, this is a really good game. Just, honestly, Dame Lillard in prime time is almost impossible for me to bet against or even go against at any point in time, even though I really like the Pelicans. Um, so, Jeremy, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it up to you. I, I, I guess since you're the cap guy and we're talking trades today because the deadline's coming up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a, a weird question about the Pelicans. Do you think that Ingram is is being like it's kind of being overshadowed and not utilized and he like his potential to be moved on just because i feel like he's way better without zion and they kind of like their usage just doesn't work together but uh i'm so i'll get your thoughts on uh ingram on the pelicans lamarcus aldridge back to the blazers and uh let us know who you got winning this game yeah, I agree, which is uh, it's a shame because you'd think that those two players could play off of each other pretty nicely. But I I really don't like what the Pelicans have done thus far. Um, I mean, outside of obviously getting Zion, that was huge for them. You can't blame them for, <laughs> for, get it, for winning the lottery and picking him. But the idea of trading down for Jackson Hayes, that just didn't really speak to me. I think taking a rim runner at any point before like the late first round is kind of like taking a running back at two. Thanks, Gettleman. Uh, so it's that idea of like, there are other ways to build around your better players. And Ingram is getting overshadowed most likely. And maybe you need someone who's more defensive minded because that's just the, the Pelicans just have trouble stopping players. And I, the thing I hated most as well was going after Steven Adams where, okay, so you've got Zion as a four who is going to be a consistent threat inside of the paint. Why would you bring in a five who is also going to stay inside of the paint? That just clogs so much up from what you wanted to do. Um, I don't know who that stretch big would have been, but I know it definitely isn't Steven Adams. So the idea of utilizing him there just seemed foolish, but they're locked in. Uh, they don't have money problems to necessarily worry about, although they do have to pay Lonzo if they want to keep him. But the idea, yeah, of Ingram, and maybe you can find a different piece. Maybe you trade him for, like, a legitimate point guard, although they've got some good intriguing options there. But, yeah, he just um, – Ingram doesn't strike me as the type of guy to necessarily be with Zion long-term for a successful um, rebuild, per se. But uh, they're not trapped, but I don't think they're going to make a move for a little bit anytime soon. Um, and then for the Blazers, they're their own weird thing. You know, I could see them dealing McCollum for front court help and then paying Gary Trent Jr. I could see them potentially moving Gary Trent Jr. if they wanted that front court help for like a John Collins type. I wouldn't necessarily do that, but that's similar mindset. So yeah, I think that the Blazers are ultimately going to win because as you said, primetime Dame, he's just too good. And I think that Mello's had a pretty hot stretch like five games in a row i want to say so if he can keep that going then that's going to be hard for them but i'm sure zion will get like 28 points and 24 of them will come from the rim and Pain. yep <laughs> yeah the other will just be him going to the free throw line <laughs> yeah no nah, it sounds just about right what do you think about um i got i have a I, I like gary trent jr do you see any deal for like the Knicks making a move for Gary Trent Jr. 
because uh, he's going to be a free agent. This is he a free agent this uh, upcoming? Uh, he'll be a restricted free agent. Yeah, he'll be a restricted free agent. That's right. Do you think you could see anything with the Knicks making a move for Gary Trent Jr. just to add shooting on this team? I think that if they if the Blazers did that, it would have to be sending some sort of win now piece back to Portland. I don't know if that's a three team deal or what because. You know, we could talk about the Knicks trading, for example, they're the Mavericks pick this year. But if you're Portland, you're saying like, well, how does that really help us in our quest to win a title around Damian Lillard? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Would that you- they're probably better off keeping their team intact. Uh, they also, what's weird is that the Blazers can't trade a first round pick, period, because of the protections on their pick this year, which carry over every single season. So... Assuming they keep their pick this year, then they'll be able to trade however many they want. But uh, it's kind of a dumb deal. I get why they did it, because they thought the West is going to be crowded and you just never know. But now they're kind of just in limbo. So it's it's just stuck. Um, so I don't know how else they're going to be able to make their team better unless they're moving you know, some sort of good player for another good player. And the problem with Gary Trent Jr., is he's making so little right now that you can't really match salary very well. So I think that, you know, I don't, I don't, I like Gary Trent Jr. I wouldn't pay a lot to try to steal him from Portland. And I probably wouldn't try to trade a lot to get him from them either. I think he's a really good in theory guy. I know I said that about Oladipo, but with Trent Jr., just kind of like, yeah, he fits in with the age and with the talent. But at a certain price, he's just not really as valuable anymore because you deal with other opportunity costs. So um, I wish there were. I wish I had a more optimistic answer, but I just don't think there's a path. Uh, it's yeah. all good. It's all would you? Good. Would I, you? I like, to, I like pie in the sky. Yeah, Alex. Would you? I mean, I think Jeremy's perfectly on point. And from if I'm Portland and you called me for Gary Trent Jr., I'm asking for Mitch Robinson right off the bat because that's going to help my team. I need a center. So uh, I throw that back to you. Would you would you give up Mitch in a in a in a Gary Trent Jr. and they're also both restricted free agents. They both need to get paid. Mm, like a straight up one for one. I mean, like just like so- something centered around there, because like it, that hurts me. Like I'm like if someone's like, all right, he, like I want Mitch for Gary Trent Jr. I'm like, ah, Gary's really good. I like him. I'll, I'll throw out Jeremy's in theory. <laughs> you know, in theory he's great. Uh, Let me just keep Mitch. I'll find the wing somewhere else. Like that would be no. my mentality. And that's and I would agree with you there because at that point I like Gary Trent Jr. because of his shooting, um, and I think you could find shooters uh, finding a nice rim protector who's athletic, who could, who's versatile on the perimeter and in the paint. It's not easy to come by, and I would if I'm moving Mitch, then I'd be like, look, there's a lot of upside here. I'd actually want something more than just Gary Trent Jr. In all honesty, um, and that's how I would think about it. Uh, so I, I get it. I just like Gary Trent Jr. Uh, I, I, I he's been performing well outside of the bubble not bubble standards but he's been forming well outside of the bubble um i think for the one that you're talking about though for the pelicans having a center uh not centered in the paint to work with zion what's what, what would you think about if they did a swap i don't i'm not i don't know if the money can work out but a swap between la and steven adams like spurs get steven adams la goes to the pelicans what do you think about that type of move it'd be interesting um i don't know if Steven Adams is actually eligible to be traded because yeah, he signed the extension. I, yeah, I don't is, think he could be oh, trade right. Adams. Which oh, yeah, is right. just like terrible on New Orleans' part again. Yeah, um, right. Why you wouldn't just let him hit free agency and figure it out from there if you absolutely had to have him. But if 
if he were, um, yeah, I think it it's smart for the Pelicans to clear that money off. But then it also it feels kind of like uh, like oh, we made a mistake, and now we know we have to do that. We have to cover. I think that he can give you a little bit more than Aldridge can because he's thirty five and he's kind of cooked. But he does have that outside jumper, which certainly pays off more. I guess the question is that is Stephen Adams' defense better than what you'd get overall for Aldridge? I think it is, but that's not exactly a compliment either. <laughs> no, nah, I, totally, I totally hear you on that. Um, all right. That's just thought process. But no, you're right. Now that you made Jesus, how do you know so much about the cat, man? Jeez. It just time it's i'm like it's just kind of fun like all the puzzle pieces that move around it's uh but it takes time you know i mean like you guys are lawyers the cba it sucks to read sometimes there are passages where i'm just like i have no interest in reading that over again because it's just too legally used to me but i I hear you i hear you so who do you got who do you got winning this game then between the pelicans and the trailblazers. You got trailblazers, right? You said Dame Time. Yeah. Can't go against Dame Time. All right. And yeah, you got Dame Time, too. All right. Yeah, I'm not choosing the Pelicans to save my life. I'm going with Dame Dollar as well. It's always Dame Time. Prime Time, 10 o'clock. We got, a th- we got all three of us going with the trailblazers. We got two of you going with the Celtics. I got the Jazz. And that clears it up for the TNT Tuesday slate. And Jeremy just indulging us in our ridiculous trade questions regarding these guys. Um, all these teams. So, Jeremy, I just want to say, well, actually, before I let you go, John, do you have any more questions for Jeremy? No, no, that's it. Yeah, I, I concur. Thanks for entertaining our, uh, our trade machines. I, I'm still, I'm still hoping for Kyle Lowry or Jonas, but well, I mean, I almost can't wait for the deadline to come, so I don't have to think about this anymore. I can just like close <laughs> off this like thing. Like this is what we have. Let's just talk to me in the summer. Exactly. That would be that would be great. But Jeremy, thank you for coming on. It was awesome getting to meet you and to speak with you. Please let our listeners know where they can find you. Absolutely. And thank you guys. It's been a pleasure. Um, you can find me on Twitter at the coincidence. Uh, that's C-O-H-E-N-C-I-D-E-N-C-E. Um, I write for the Strickland. I record for the Strickland as well, actually, and for Nick's Film School too. So um, yeah, we've got some really awesome interviews down the pike we just had if you're interested in more cap talk we actually just had eric pincus who does basketball Ooh. insiders and bleacher report for the lakers he had some really great things to say about the so strictly knicks related at least this, the first part was you know just small talk about the lakers and basketball but he really gets into a lot of the nitty-gritty with the knicks so um that's who pod strickland highly recommend that if you're interested and yeah that's that's probably about it for me awesome well Thank you, Jeremy, once again for coming on. I know this lactose intolerance won't stop you from getting that cheddar, as it says in your Twitter bio, which I always find hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for tuning in for another Knicks episode of the Knicks, Jets, Etc. podcast. Please make sure to go find Jeremy and check out his work over at the Strickland and Knicks Film School. And for us, please make sure to give us a five-star review and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts if that's where you listen. We're on all listening platforms, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, Overcast, you name it, we are there. Also, please make sure to follow us on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, Nick's, Jets, ETC, period. That's where you can find us. And we'll be back later this week for another Jets episode. 
where I gotta slander this kid of Zach Wilson, the Patrick Mahomes, because I can't stand it on Nick's, on Jets Twitter. What am I saying? Nick's Twitter. Jesus. Yeah. Make sure you uh, catch Alex's Knicks pieces on uh, Hoops Habit or on Knicks Fan TV. Also, Alex shows up on Knicks Fan TV pre and post game. Also, the Knicks, uh, the Knicks show, Nick, Nick, the Nick of Time show. So uh, make sure you catch uh, Alex at all those as well. I appreciate it for the plug, and I'll give you the plug too, John. Go catch. Let's go Knicks, baby. Jetpress.com. Jetpress.com. Oh, no. Let's go Knicks. <laughs> yeah.